0: If you're interested in breaking into business development and consulting in either the public or private sector or both, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is the founder of the company Growth Period, which has a proven record of helping companies in both the federal and commercial sectors achieve smart growth through business development. But before I introduce you to Courtney Spay, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays and gives you a sneak peek into the episodes and the professions we're going to be featuring that week. And it is super easy to do. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time4coffee.org and sign up. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Courtney Spath, the founder and chief executive officer at Growth Period. Over the last 13 years under Courtney's leadership, Growth Period has amassed a proven record of helping companies in both the federal and commercial sectors achieve smart growth through goal-oriented business development. Growth Period's broad range of clients include Lockheed Martin, Verizon, Genesis, Stanley Black & Decker, Zebra Technologies Corporation, Nemecol & Woods Resort, Sigma Tau Pharmaceuticals, HIG Capital, and on and on both in the U.S. and internationally. Prior to founding growth period, Courtney served as a corporate vice president of homeland security for Raytheon Company. That's a major U.S. defense contractor and industrial corporation where she was responsible for developing the company's homeland security business in North America, the Middle East, Eastern and Western Europe and Asia. And in less than two years, her efforts resulted in, get this, new revenue of over a billion U.S. dollars. Before Raytheon, Courtney served as director of Homeland Systems Solutions for Lockheed Martin, a global aerospace defense security and advanced technologies company, where she won over $3 U.S. dollars in new business. Courtney, welcome to Time for Coffee. I need caffeine. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I have my iced tea, and thank you for having me. Oh my God, you are like the rainmaker extraordinaire. I am so excited to talk with you, Courtney. And we are going to dive right into our 10 espresso shots. The first question being, what entry-level jobs are available to
1: young people who are eager to break into business development? They can certainly come work for a small boutique company like ours, for a period. We hire young people all the time. We prefer that they have maybe one year of experience doing something, but it's not necessary. We do hire out of college. And certainly they can go to any large company, join them in some kind of sales or business development capacity. Many of the larger defense contractors like Lockheed Martin have business development management programs where they'll put you through their own internal business development pool as a young person and teach you about the profession. So I think There's a lot of different ways for them to go. If they're more interested in the commercial world versus national security, I think a lot of the technology companies also hire young people right out of school, but they put them more in sales. And sales is different than business development.
0: Oh, that is really interesting. So what is the difference?
1: Sales is a more tactical, day-to-day, finite Part of business. You sell a commodity, whether it's software or hardware or a product, and it has a much shorter sales cycle. It's usually six months to close a deal. Business development is an umbrella term which encompasses sales, but it includes marketing, it includes relationship management, it includes branding, it includes pricing. It's a much larger thing, and it's really the cultivation of relationships with the objective of driving larger revenue in the longer term. And it tends to have a longer cell cycle, Andrea, more like 18 to 36 months. Got it.
0: Okay. Thanks so much for that. So, Courtney, what is a useful, hard and soft skill that you look for in the young people that you hire at growth period?
1: The ability to write well is important. If you cannot articulate ideas in writing, I can't hire you. We're not there to teach you how to right thing. And so you have to be able to be a good business writer, the so things: straightforward, clear, good grammar, <laughs> sort of the basics. And I would also say the ability to listen, to be somewhat self-aware and to understand that you're young and that you don't know everything. And that even though I'm old, I don't know everything. So we get young people who sometimes come in and it might be nervousness, it might be insecurity, but they don't listen very well when they're being interviewed. And they don't answer questions they're being asked. They rush ahead. And that's not a good skill for business development. You have to be good listener.
0: Okay. What about someone's major? And we're going to get into your major in our main okay. time for coffee interview. And our listeners should check out show notes to see if that episode has already dropped. But Courtney's major was military history as an undergrad. Is it a deciding factor to get into business development, Courtney?
1: No, I don't care what you majored in. You can major in gardening for all I care.
0: (laughs) Okay, awesome. Well, you know, if you hear from somebody who's been a gardener, let me know because (laughs) that would be a very interesting switch. What about a grad school degree? And this is less so for those who are looking for those entry-level jobs, more so for somebody who one day would like to be sitting where you are in the C-suite.
1: I think that a lot of the young people who come to us tend to come to us with international relations or poli-sci or foreign affairs grad degrees. We've had a lot of people come to us, Americans who are young, who have degrees from the London School of Economics for some reason, graduate degrees. It doesn't matter if you have one. Certainly, we like it because it shows a maturity at a young age that you were focused and motivated, but it's not necessary. I would say that what these young people learn is that They are actually applying to a business development firm versus one that's just focused on aerospace or defense. And many of our clients are actually commercial and have nothing to do with the government or national security or aerospace and defense. So we've found that regardless of what your graduate degree is, if you like business, you like business. Even if you inadvertently didn't realize that's where you were going to be and that's what you were going to do. Excellent. What
0: about life experiences? So anything outside the classroom. What do you think are the most useful ones to have, Courtney, for someone who's starting out in business development?
1: So this is going to be an unexpected and somewhat awful answer, but I think the thing that appeals to us most is if you've surmounted some form of adversity. (laughs) So it's a lot less of have you interned for a senator or have you worked at a think tank or have you worked you know, really anywhere, did you struggle to get where you are? Did you have to overcome some form of obstacle and persevere? Do you know how to solve problems? Because business development is problem solving. That is exactly what it is. And So if you as a young person have to solve personal issues for yourself to get going, to get motivated, we sort of sense a spirit inside of you that is more akin to the kind of people we are.
0: You care more about grit than you do about the fancy internships. That's correct. That's well said. What, for you, Courtney, is the best part of being in business development?
1: I love solving problems, and I'm very intellectually restless. So this keeps my mind very much engaged in different aspects of the world, and I love helping our clients provide solutions to either commercial or federal entities that really helps solve a problem. It's exciting.
0: And there's always a flip side, even when you are the chief executive officer of a company that you built yourself. And we should also let our listeners know that we're doing this interview the third week of April. So here we are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. What is the part of your current job, Courtney, that sucks the most?
1: (laughs) That is such a fair question. We are very, very good to our staff. So we haven't furloughed anyone, but the ability to bring in new clients right now is a little bit slower. So we're very focused, as we always are, on keeping our current clients happy. The problem is, and it's not really a problem, it's just the reality, is all our clients are at home in front of the computer. <laughs> and so what normally is a 40-hour-a-month contract is turned into a 400-hour <laughs> contract for all of them. Right. And so I think that the part that's hardest is I usually work an extremely long day, but everyone is working my hours right now, which is like 6 a.m. till 2 a.m. and juggling their home life and the uncertainties the pandemic has brought and just keeping my staff morale up, keeping them focused, reminding them that this too will pass, and also keeping the clients happy, but at the same extent, making them understand that. There is a fine line between keeping you happy and dropping dead from the effort involved in meeting expectations that perhaps have gotten a lot larger.
0: I have absolutely no doubt that this is an unbelievably challenging time. And we should also mention, you've got a little child at home. Yes, I do. I have a four-year-old, my little angel. (laughs) Who I'm guessing is super excited that mommy's home all the time. He is, although
1: mommy works in her bedroom. Daddy's <laughs> working in the office. And when the door is closed, there's no playing. So he doesn't see me as much as he, I think, would like, but I'm here and that's very exciting. And my older daughter, who's 24, is at home with us during this period. And so that's also very fun for him.
0: Wonderful. Well, here is a question that I know our listeners are eager to hear the answer to. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Courtney?
1: That's a good question. I would say it's not so much direct advice as I received it via osmosis and it's that you should not give in to now. When I graduated University of Pennsylvania in the mid-90s, A, there was a mini recession, which no one remembers. It was right before the tech boom. And B, all of my friends, and when I say all, I mean all of them, went to New York to work on Wall Street. And I graduated with honors. And I went to D.C. to work for free for the White House. <laughs> and I remember my best friend's father at the time turning to me and saying, and I think he really meant well, you're too smart to work for the government. And no one who's female really wants to work in national security. And I remember thinking, and he didn't mean it to be sexist. He was just saying like, it's just, you know, an all-male dominated field of mediocrity, which of his point. I remember thinking, well, A, that's not very really helpful or cheerful, but B, I don't do you know. Just because it's different, just because it's not an easy path doesn't mean it can't be done. And so I think the best piece of advice really is don't take no for an answer if there's no legitimate rationale behind it. Well, and the other thing I heard in there, and you may
0: disagree, is that you clearly were somewhat service oriented. Oh, yeah. And you weren't. At that point, maybe you were driven by the money. I know money was important to you, and we're going to get into that because the reality is we all have bills to pay, and you have a lot of them. But yes. it wasn't about getting rich at that moment.
1: No. My father had gone to federal prison at the end of college for what white collar offense. and my mother worked in retail, and I put myself through UPenn. And it was very expensive. I walked out with a, approximately $150,000 in private loans. That's like 18% interest, if you can imagine. And I went to work in the White House versus at Wall Street. And I've been offered a Wall Street job, which paid six figures. And I went to work for free in the White House and catered and taught SAT and waitress and tutored. And I did every possible thing I could to make money. And I was vaguely starving, to be fair and honest. But I was very determined. I sort of dug in that just because I came from... A background that was I don't know what the word would be disadvantaged I'm not sure that's the right word that had its own serious challenges I wasn't going to give up on my dream I was well educated and why should I not strive to accomplish what I want just because I'm hungry literally so I found ways to make enough money to survive but also I did what I wanted to do because I felt like too many people who have obstacles give up on their dreams for the wrong reasons. And I wasn't going to do that. I should sort have of dug in, but I have red hair, so I'm very stubborn.
0: <laughs> and so do I.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I see you at the hairdresser. <laughs>
0: exactly. Two final espresso shots. What movies, if any, Courtney, or Netflix, Hulu, Amazon shows, or books, do you think accurately depict your profession?
1: Oh, goodness gracious. I've never seen it. So you can laugh at me. But I have been told that Scandal, to some degree, with Kerry Washington, (laughs) a a woman problem-solving in D.C. Now, I'm sure she's probably wearing Armani and hanging out with princes. But I've been told that. I've also been told about a show I've also never seen called The Prophet. And I don't mean The Religious Prophet. I mean some kind of deal maker. But I haven't seen either one of them. I can't, with any due conscience, completely state that's true. I would say Madam Secretary, which is no longer in the air, but it's Tia Leone, not the Secretary of State part, but the difficulties that she faces as a woman and how she navigates problem solving, that also kind of comes
0: into play. Excellent. We'll include them in show notes. And I have not seen any of those shows either, but I do remember when Scandal came out. And I was away on vacation with my sister, Deirdre, and she was like binge watching Scandal on her phone one episode after another. So I know it's really good. And now I'm kind of curious to watch it. Last (laughs) (laughs) Right? Last espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession?
1: That it has nothing really to do with sales at all. It's much more about integrity if you have integrity and people trust you to solve problems and keep your word, they will do deals with you.
0: Oh, my God. I love that. Courtney, even though you don't drink coffee, I want to thank you so <laughs> much for making time for coffee today with me and the t for c community. You are an exceptional woman, and I am just so grateful to you for making time to chat with me.
1: I very much appreciate the opportunity to do so, and thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of Tea4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at the number 4 coffee.org or text me at 202 5712 that's two zero two two three six five seven one two.